Welcome to the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives. This is a show about how to build an esports business from literally anywhere in the world, where each week we showcase the journey of one inspiring esports entrepreneur and learn how they solved a particular problem that everyone will ultimately face. And now, to your host, Tom Leonard. I'm Tom Leonard, the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast. When it comes to esports, I'm definitely not the expert. I'm more of an explorer. The goal behind the podcast is to hear from esports entrepreneurs from around the world, to hear their stories, to learn how esports can create jobs, and to maybe inspire others to do just the same. Today, I'm honored to have um, Michael Akintaju from Atlanta here in the U.S., uh, but with ties back to Nigeria, which we're going to be talking about. He's a writer at Afrogamer. He's a project manager at LESF, and he's a co-founder founder of uh, Mible. Mobile. My, my pronunciation is going to be all over the place, but, but kind of used to it by now. Welcome, Michael. All right. Thank you, Tom. Um, it's been a long time coming. Um, thank you for the support. I've always seen you support when we post, uh, when we put out anything on social media. So thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Great. Great. No, it's, uh, no, you know, one of the things I notice, um, I, I don't, I don't go out there and repost the stuff for everything, but I think what the stuff that you've been putting out over the, the past few months that I've, I've come across you has been really good quality. So now you're in Atlanta, right? Yes, I am. So and the, the reason I ask is for people around the world, our audience is all over the, all over the world, a lot in Africa, some in South America, um, Asia, India, and so on. But what I think is interesting about your particular story is that you, people can support esports anywhere in the world from anywhere in the world. So how did you end up in Atlanta? Um, I was born and raised, and I went to school in Lagos, Nigeria. Um, then about 10 years ago, I kind of um, moved over to Atlanta, where I was um, working for an African entertainment TV. So they started off with the goal of being online, kind of more projecting, telling stories of um, Africans in the diaspora. So that's actually where I actually moved over. and. Um, I that didn't work out, and I moved on to other things. Basically, so I, I noticed that you're doing a lot. Some of the things I mentioned before, we'll get into more detail in a minute. But a lot of the things are back in Nigeria. So how is how does it work? For you to be in Atlanta, your projects to be in Nigeria, and um, how, how does that work? Um, I think it all comes down to having a a wonderful team. Um, I I there's no I in team. Um, I don't do everything myself. I was just um, blessed to be able to surround myself with a a strong team um, where um, we're able to make sure that things are done. So like you mentioned, um, you can be anywhere in the world and you can still be doing what you want to do in terms of esports. So I do basically more of the operations, um, reach out to gamers. If it's um, podcasting, if it's content creation, I can do that. And the good thing about it is because I so love what I do, um, I'm awake when they are asleep and I'm still awake when they are awake, basically. And that's just because I love esports and gaming so much that if you send me a message, even in the middle of the night, 
most likely I'm, the chances of me responding to that is close to 80%. Oh, so you, what got you interested in esports, in gaming? What, do, were you, did you start young? Yes. So um, I was able to enjoy the benefits of gaming at a young age, starting from Atari, um, the brick um, hand consoles. Before we started moving to the Super Nintendos, um, I know we had the family computer game where you play Duck Hunt. So I, I have been opportune to evolve with gaming, basically. And even as I grow older, I still love gaming. I made sure I had um, every console that came out. I tried my possible best to have each console that came out. And then I started digging more into gaming. How can you create a, you know, a, a job out of it, a professional employment? And then I came across esports as a whole. That was, I believe, five years ago. And even as much as I stay in the US, I'm always seeing how things can work in Africa. So if there's a fantastic idea, how can Africa benefit from it? And um, that's where I started doing research. And I found out that I, there was a whole community that no one knew about. So the, uh, when you, you were talking about first coming to Atlanta, working with an entertainment organization, did they have anything to do with esports? No, they did not. They were basically um, an online TV station. So they did more of sports, um, music, and that, that, that didn't have anything to do with gaming. No, because one of the things that we've talked about people before, some people in South Africa, for example, who, you know, were working, uh, you know, in, in a media company and they were just you know, big evangelists for esports. And they were like, you got to have this content. You got to have this content and so on. So, you know, it seems like a lot of uh, entertainment brands are kind of moving toward esports content, but then, you know, some more than others. Yeah. If, if this was, I think you said like 10 years ago or something, it's like it, it, it was a different world. Yeah. Uh, 10 years ago. So when we're talking about being here in the U.S., what kinds of advantages would you say that you have that you can bring to the projects back in Nigeria that maybe someone that's not in the U.S. would, uh, would not enjoy? Okay, I think um, I was open to more resources. I'm not saying there are no resources in Africa, but I'll use a, a perfect example. Um, the DreamHack, for example, um, three years ago, there was the DreamHack in Atlanta. And I was there, basically. So with something, everyone knows DreamHack is huge. And that kind of gave me perspective as to what you should kind of want to have when you're having um, an offline tournament, basically. As opposed to someone who is doing esports in Nigeria, they'll probably go with what they see online, which definitely we know has a lot of chopping and editing before you before it's put up there for you to see. So I was able to see the nitty-gritty. I saw the long lines. I saw people coming with their desktop computers. And I was like, I was I was blown away. I was like, wow. Wow. And I think at moments, Africa hasn't gotten to that point where you have the long lines, people bringing their PCs or people saying, okay, you know what? I'm coming to this event. I'm bringing my own table. I'm bringing my own console. I'm bringing my own TV. So we haven't gotten to that point. And I just, you know, the resources basically is what allows me to be open-minded and to have that, I wouldn't say advantage, but just open my eyes to how global esports work. Now, did, is DreamHack coming back to Atlanta? Um, I think they are. Um, they were here two years ago. I think for the second part of the year, I think they're coming in October. 
Yeah, because they were they're supposed to be here in Anaheim. I'm I'm in Burbank in Southern California. They're supposed to be just down in er- Anaheim, and then they they uh, canceled. Yeah, a, yeah. a, a couple oh, months oh, ago. Yeah, all of a sudden they've been canceling. Well, I hopefully they have gotten the acts together now, and I think um, they. I'm not sure if they're part of the acquisition. The acquisitions that have been moving around. I think they fall under that. So I think they're trying to kind of put their house in order as to the next step since there's a new uh, management. Yes. Yes. Because, yeah, because because one of the things with Remac is it, it seems to move around. And that's a really tough thing. I mean, it's so big and so uh, such a great event that, you know, people will will follow it no matter where it is. I think it, the one here ended up going to Houston or Dallas, went to Texas. Uh, but but uh, that's one of the things like events like Comic-Con down in San Diego. I mean, one of the benefits of Comic-Con, is, well, before COVID, it was always there every 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 summer. You could depend on it sort of thing. So it, it kind of planned things um, around that a little bit. So you were also part of the Lagos eSport Forum. Could you, could you describe what that is? And one of the things I'm going to ask you about probably for everything on the list I'm always going to ask you, how did it start out? Because one of the things that I think is really critical to, to the, to un, for the audience to understand is, oh, these guys just did this. And, you know, this is how this thing came about. Maybe it's going to trigger someone else to be able to do the same thing. So I'm always going to ask you, how did it come about? So be prepared. So Legos Esports Forum, where, where, uh, what, what is it? And how did it come about? Okay, so the Lagos Esports Forum is a private esports organization um, headquartered in Lagos. Um, the whole idea behind it is the, the goal is to be able to educate, engage, and empower the three E's, um, the African youth through esports. So that was the goal, and it was birthed during COVID, basically. Um, it started off with Shayo and um, Yemi. And I was just basically connecting with communities. So I had the Afro Gamer telling stories about what's happening. And I would partner with communities as to what tournaments we could do just to have content, basically. And um, I connected with them. They had a few webinars where we started talking about esports. And there was that reason to, hey, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what you're doing. How can we collaborate? And to them... Uh, with things that were going on, it just made sense. Like we're on the same page. We're looking at the same things. We have the same vision. Why don't you just work together? And that's where Shaya kind of reached out and said, Oh, hey, Michael, um, would love for you to be part of the team. And, you know, so it makes things easier because we have experience in this. You have knowledge and experience in this. And it just makes sense instead of both parties kind of struggling. And that's how. Um, I joined the team basically, and it's it's been a wonderful um, journey since then. So, what exactly you, you, when you were saying that um, when you joined the team, what was your what is your role there? And I, I'm kind of trying to figure out how it, how exact or be able to explain how it's uh, structured, and, and what is your role there? Um, so, with the Legacy Sports Forum, I sit there as the technical director. So, if we're going to do any game game fight activations um i'll come up with what the event flow would look like what communities i need to connect with and then i'll also use the afro gamer as a means of media to push that events got it got it so you said that it started during covid yes 
man, that was a huge undertaking. Yeah. 20, 20. I mean, I mean, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, everything's going to always refer back to, uh, to those, the, those two bad years everywhere. But, um, so it was a good year for esports. Yes. 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 That was the silver lining there. It's like, yeah, everything yeah, moved online. Esports is already online. It's like, yeah. I mean, when you look at the Twitch numbers, it's like up, up, up and up, um, there and so on. So, um, so yeah, so so it's now the forum doing more in person events. Yes. So we'll be um, when COVID started subsiding a little bit, we started moving to offline events. So a few things we've done um, when the Mortal Kombat movie came out, we did a gamified experience for the Mortal Kombat movie. So um, we got guests into the cinemas. You play the games first, where you use the cinema screen. So people played, people came to watch, and after the gamified experience, then everyone got to watch them which was which has never been done because we started getting messages from Kenya from South Africa people were like oh i love this idea i'm going to do it for uh, my community that was the next thing and you know it was it was just nice that we could we were able to give people that idea to do it so to me i i was happy basically now look at look at the grin on your face <laughs> it's like you you enjoyed that part i can tell yeah. no that that must have been great, though, to have that on the on the theater screen. I mean, that would be. It's like you know, you want you know, you want your esports. You want you know, I mean, you want to watch the action on a big screen. Nothing's bigger exactly than the theater screen. And if it's Mortal Kombat, wow! And because also most theaters have really good sound systems, mm-hmm. so it's like <clears throat> you know, it could be a, a really big event. Did you work with Warner Brothers at all on that? Um, no, we did not. We did not. That's one of the things. One of the things, because I used to work at Warner Brothers over here in Burbank and I've talked to the, uh, the WB Games people in the past about doing things with Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat is kind of in the sweet spot <clears throat> for a lot of people because it's an older title. Mm-hmm. So they're not, you know, they're not doing, you know, they're not going to be spending a lot of money on it, but they will give you permission to do things that maybe um, uh, they wouldn't with a, with a brand new title and so on. And so what I always encourage people to do is to, reach out to the publisher. This was such a perfect storm with the movie coming out and the game. It's like, you know, and you, man, you guys did a really, really, are there videos out there? Of, of yes. On the there screen? Are videos, there are, there are oh, yeah. I'll send them to you. Good, good. Cause I want to, I want to post those because I want, I want them, to, I want people to see what, what, uh, what can be done when you have a little bit of imagination there. And it's just like, you know, the movie screen thing. Cause that, that's the other thing I don't think is I'll let you do some talking in a minute. Um, one of the things I th- I think is is underutilized are but my philosophy is always follow the money. Entertainment brands, especially on theatrical releases, spend unbelievable amounts of money on promotion. And if esports could tap into a little bit of that, I mean that could make a huge difference. The other thing is um, here in the U.S. anyway, certainly the theaters theaters are always looking for ways to uh, you know expand their audience and particularly I don't know what the numbers might look like after COVID if people are going back to the movie theaters in the same way but man to have an esports event and to fill up theaters for that uh, especially with uh, I, I just really like the way that you tied it into Mortal Kombat into an esports movie it's not going to work with every movie that comes out but there's some movies that um, uh, that it might now that's that's really great another thing I wanted to talk here a little bit is mobile. Is mobile art? Is mobile art? Mobile esports? Is that the future in Africa? Uh, Tom, this is just my opinion. Many would 
That's that's what I want. That's what I'm asking. Some might disagree because I've had this conversation and I've been on different pages with different people. I personally think mobile is the future, is the now and the future for Africa. And that's because one, the entry points, the penetration, we're talking about um, mobile gamers in Africa sitting at 300 million. You are definitely not going to find... Could you repeat, could you repeat that yes. again? That's, that's a really important number. So we have, as of today, we do have 300, over 300 million mobile gamers, down from the um, hyper-casual gamers to the casual gamers to even the, the core competitive gamers who play Call of Duty Mobile or Apex Mobile Legend, 300 million. And that just tells you that, you know, not every, you, you will not see that number for PC, you will not see that number for console, basically. So there's, and again, the new gen consoles, we're talking about $500 and up. The purchasing power for the average African youth, he or she is not going to spend $500 to get a console or to buy a high-end um, PC. Even if you're going to assemble one, you still have to part with some money. But people always, people have two or three phones. I I have contacts who they have three phones. If you cannot reach them on one, message them on the other or message them on the other one, they would respond. So that is just, you know, my conviction. And I call myself um, the mobile esports evangelist because I just believe um, for Africa to get that recognition it wants in esports is going to be through mobile games. So what about uh, events? So you know, when I'm picturing like a, a tournament, you know, an in-person tournament that's more common, it's becoming more common, fortunately. And, you know, everyone's on PC or they're on console or, or, or whatever. Do you have in-person events where everyone's on their phone and it's... Um, yes. So there've been a few. Um, um, in Nigeria, there was Contender where it had a, a mix of both, both console and um, and mobile. Um, I know Infinix does have partnership with Free Fire and they've done a few strictly mobile um, LAN tournaments. No PC, no console, and then it was projected on the screen. Um, I know Gamer also did their Gamer X, but that was also a mix of both. Um, I've been speaking to a few mobile gaming communities like Call of Duty Mobile, the PUBGs, and they, there's that conversation of just a strictly mobile um, LAN tournament. Are the games on mobile the same as the games on uh, PC, on, on, um, on console or PC? Is it the same games that people bring to, um, to, to events? Do p- people create the same kinds of events? I know that FIFA is really yes. big. There is, is is FIFA Mobile also yeah. really big? So there's there's FIFA Mobile, but um, for some reason it's not just what the the community likes for mobile. Same thing goes for Mortal Kombat. So Mortal Kombat is strictly console and PC. Um, it does have the mobile version, but the community will tell you they don't want they don't want that basically. So um, the communities tend to lean towards the Call of Duty Mobiles, the PUBGs, the Free Fires. Um, now. Pro Evolution Soccer, which is now eFootball Mobile, is is more accepted and more played than FIFA uh, Mobile. Yes, really. So which which um, I play um, eFootball Mobile. Is that is that taking off here in the US? Um, the US is not huge on mobile at the moment. They are just slowly growing into it. So um, top regions, Asia is leading that pack. We're talking about. Countries like India, Pakistan, Indonesia, um, I think um, Korea. Then 
the next region that will be coming after that will be Africa because we do have similar markets and you can use the same metric. Basically, most, most times we always compare the markets in Africa to that of India and mobile is king there. So yes, yes. Yeah. That, that yeah, we were talking to someone. Uh, well, we're talking to, uh, Mitch Esquera from Galaxy yeah, Racer. I know Galaxy Racer. And he's from the Philippines, but he was actually in Vietnam at an event when we spoke to him and he was like, yeah, it's all, it's all, uh, yes. global. He was just like, that's, that's, you know, as far as he was concerned, that's, that's where things were growing. So some of the guests, in fact, have said that, I forget who it was, said that, you know, there's just about another seven years of console left. He said after that, it'll, it's, it'll all be. Yeah, I, 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 and I was like, well, that's a, that's- mm-hmm. I agree with that. If you notice a lot of these titled games are kind of making the mobile version. So Call of Duty has Call of Duty mobile. Um, they have Warzone mobile in the works. Um, Valorant itself also has Valorant Mobile in the works. There is Rainbow Six Mobile in the works. Um, Apex Mobile just got launched. I think that was two months ago. Um, you have Mobile Legend, Bang Bang. So more games are coming. Even if you look at Xbox, um, with their Game Pass and the Xbox Cloud, they're also pushing that you can play those games on mobile. So I, 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 I think that that is where gaming is tending to work. No, that's, no, that's interesting to hear your, your take on it because you've, you've got a, one foot in Africa and one foot here in the U.S. So you can kind of see, uh, see, see both sides. So you are also, or you are also a co-founder of Mobile. Am I right. pronouncing that right? What, what is me? Mobile. Mobile. And how okay, did it so come So Mobile about? is an African word for mobile. And um, the idea came as from our patients in Lagos is supposed from um, when we started hosting tournaments, we started doing engagement, we noticed a few things, a few challenges. For one, if people had to register, um, we had to create Google Forms. Um, I have to go through Excel sheets. I could spend my whole weekend trying to make sure that fixtures are properly mapped out. This is how we want it. And Shaya and I started having that conversation. To make things easier, we needed that gaming platform to make everything automated. So... He had looked into MPL in India. I was looking at skills in the US. So we both tabled that like, okay, I know skills. He says he knows MPL and this is what they do. And we were looking at um, a way to bring in the casual gamers and the hyper casual gamers because all we kind of had a relationship with were the competitive sides, the Call of Duty, the PUBGs, the Free Fires. And you had, you know, Hillary sitting somewhere in Lagos or sitting somewhere in Kenya and she's playing just a Ludo King or an 8-ball pool. So if you're looking at the 300 million mobile gamers we have across Africa, the casual gamers and the hyper-casual gamers take 78% of that share. So we, we wanted a way to bring them into it. And then how can it be a platform that would make money, one, and it will also bring in more people into esports. MPL, they tell you, um, you know, they make it, they bring casual gamers into um, esports. Same thing with skills. And we just wanted to do the same thing because Africa has that huge mobile gaming community. And anytime we do tournaments and we're reaching out for feedback, we'll slip in questions about casual gaming. And when the competitive gamers are not comp- competing, they play casual games. So that's how we decided, you know what, let's create a platform that would solve 
so many problems, not just for us when we're hosting tournaments, but now you're bringing in the millions, the target millions of mobile gamers into esports. And that's how we came up with Mobili. So it's the idea was a year old and we started working on it and we did our soft launch in January. Um, so so what, what's the future for Mobile? What, where would you like to see so, it grow to? Not, not necessarily in numbers, but just, just um, okay, to so, see in the future. Um, for Mobile, the division, the, 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 the dream is huge. Um, the same way um, um, Afrobeats, our type of music has grown, whereby for new phones, you'd see um, the apps, so you see music apps, music streaming apps already preloaded into those phones. Those, that is the big dream I do have for Mobile as a gaming app so that when a Techno or an Infinix or a Samsung phone is being sold in Kenya, in Zimbabwe, then the Mobile application will be there for you to play. So you don't have to go to the store and download it, basically. And that would allow you to strictly connect with other gamers because that was also another problem. As a casual mobile gamer, most people had to disturb their friends. Oh, do you play this game? Let's play. Uh, or you have to wait to be paired with someone in India or someone in Pakistan. And because of the servers or the network closeness to uh, servers, they were most gameplays ahead of you. So if you're playing an eight-ball pool, your opponent has queued in a few balls ahead of you and you're not seeing that. So it's... The whole target is, is for Africans by Africans in Africa. Are, do you see more locally produced games? Yes. So cool. locally meaning created yes. in so Africa. So there is a huge game development community in Africa that we do not really recognize. Um, with the Afro game, I try as much as possible to, to spotlight them. Um, I, I'm part of a community called the Africa Comicade. So these are um, young professionals who are into the game development. So they don't belong to any studio. They just make games on their own. And I've had the opportunity to be a judge at their gamathons on two occasions. They have another one coming up in September. So basically, I download the game or they give me the web link. I play it and I give the feedback. So there is so much opportunity. And part of what we're looking at in Mobile is to be able to partner with them. So now we're using, we're using other games that are not from Africa, but that's also one of our goals to partner with them. So we spotlight them also. So as someone who is sitting in Zimbabwe, if you want to play mobile, you will see African games. Um, they are combat mobile games. Um, I've played shooter games. I've played, um, open world games, all sorts. I've played even hyper casual games, basically. So, um, I've also played, um, a car racing game by a developer in Ghana. And he used the um, Ghana taxis and the Ghana buses as the vehicles you use. You're not going to use any other thing. So is that using the taxi or using the bus? And I thought it was really, really cool. No, I always think that's one of the things when I, whenever I talk to someone, uh, I was talking to some people at GamerX once, and it's just like one of the things that, that you have in Africa as an advantage is you have your culture. It's like, it, it's, it's like, it's something that is so, and you, you could probably relate to it being here. It's just... People here are interested in stories from Africa, more so than ever before. And of course, I always point back to uh, Black Panther as kind of the, the shift in the entertainment, in the movie business, as saying that, hey, African stories, if told right, can be incredibly popular out there. And it's just like, and I always think like, the poor guy that's developing some game in Austin, 
or, you know, Milwaukee or something like that. They don't have that culture to fall back on to, to come from. So, you know, I just think that there's a, a lot of opportunity there. So, now that sounds really good. So let's talk about Afro Gamer for a minute. So you're also, you're a writer there. Oh, you were also doing the podcast yes, for Af- yes. Afro Gamer, weren't you? Yes, yes. So what, what got you into um, podcasting? It was part of the interest to be able to tell stories. Uh, I knew people would read, but I wanted the guests to be able to tell their own stories. And that's why I started um, the Afro Gamer podcast where um, it was live and would also have the, um, the audio version. So people could go back and watch and put a face to this. So we are talking about um, Kenya's pro gamer queen, Arrow. So people have... Um, you know, they know that this is what she looks like and this is her story. And that was, that was, that has been my goal, not just writing because writing you'd read and you'd move on from it. But with, with the podcasting, which was video and audio, you could actually place a face and say, okay, now I know this is what, um, Beast Bianchi, the, um, pro FIFA player in South Africa looks like. I know this is what Queen Arrow looks like. I know. So you can always, have that story to also tell people, oh, when you're talking about gaming, ladies in gaming, you can say, oh, there's this lady called um, Queen Arrow. I believe with um, a podcast, it, it, the story kind of resonates more than just reading it. Yes, because when she was on, she was actually our, our second guest on the podcast here. And it, but, but because we're audio only, it's like, you know, but she was a great guest. And unbelievably popular. I mean, we've got more, um, more activity around the story of her appearing than probably anyone else so far out there. So who were some of your favorite guests? Who have been some of your favorite guests on, on the podcast? And why were they your favorite? I, I don't mean for you to have to pick people and leave other people out, but, but what, I guess my real question is what kind of story do you think needed to be told and who did um, this job at? I would say Shayo Ola because I, I interviewed him now as an outsider, as much as we're a team. Um, he sits on the um, Global Esports Federation. They do have a development federation under the GEF and he is the Secretary General. So um, I had to speak with him to let us know what Africa should be expecting. So he he did a he did a fantastic job in kind of enlightening us as to what to expect and where Africa is and what Africa needs to do. So that was very um informative. Um once again, Queen Arrow would always be a delight. We always um catch up from time to time. And I just want to know what she's up to. Um and um as selfless as she is, she would say, Oh, what about you? What what are you up to? So I think those two um have, have been my favorite guests. Great, great. No, no, I think I mean, to me, the, one of the reasons I got into podcasting is, is just exactly what you're saying. Let other people tell their stories. I mean, no one's going to listen to me. Like I said at the beginning, no one's going to, I'm not an expert on esports. It's like, you know, I get beat <laughs> on Free Fire any, you know, anytime that I, um, I open it up or, or on PUBG. I, I really like the, the orange giraffe costume. Yeah. On skin on PUBG. But it's like it's like a bullseye. Exactly. It's like it here does, I am. Yeah, come over here. Shoot attention. me over here. Yeah. So that. Uh, so, but yeah. Hey, it's it, it, it's fun that way. So what else does Afro Gamer do? Um. So we're just podcast? kind of sticking to just writing stories and podcasting. 
Um, we are looking into um, documentary. That That is in the works of having a full documentary on different personalities um, who have been in esports till date. Um, so we're still crossing the T's, dotting the I's and putting things together. And uh, we'll let you know when it's ready. No, that's, but, but to me, that's part of the fun. It's something I kind of hear from you is part of the fun is you mm-hmm. figure it out as you go along. It's like, hey, maybe we should do a documentary. Hey, that sounds like a good idea. So it's, you kind of, you yeah, let's do it sort of thing. It's it's like you don't have to wait for someone else to tell you what to do. I also want to talk a little bit here about investment in esports because I noticed that you spend some time on uh, online. I've seen you talk about investment in esports. We haven't talked to anyone much about that. And I kind of wanted to get your take on who's investing in esports in Africa these days. That's a that's a big question, Tom. That is a big question. Yeah, that's got, a, that's a huge question. Coming coming from the uh, the co-founder side of me in Mobilia looking for funding, um, it's 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 been a huge task. Um, we know we know we do have game. Um, yes. We know we have Carry Fest in South Africa. They got that funding from a few VCs. They even got um, popular rap artist Nas and Google to invest in them. Um, but aside that, um, I think because esports is a new space, investment hasn't been easy to come by. It's one thing, it's one um, angle to get um, sponsors for your event, but for you to now say, I actually do have a product and this, I want you to invest. Um, that has, that has been a challenge. Um, same applies to even esports teams. So I've had the Call of Duty Mobile, a few teams, Call of Duty Mobile, reach out and say, Hey, Michael, we're trying to build our brand to this point, but. It's it's been difficult, and one thing I just keep saying is keep doing what you're doing, and I always use the movie industry and the music industry as an example. So um, we're talking about Nollywood, we're talking about Afrobeat. At some point, no one was investing in it, but the players kept building. As much as a few fell off, but some kept building. New players came in. Once you keep on building that um, that industry, it's you know it's just a matter of time. The same way, you know, Sony Entertainment has come back to Africa. Netflix has come back. Um, Amazon Prime is coming into Africa. So we just need to do what we're doing. I know um, it can be discouraging when, you know, you're, you're bootstrapping, basically. Uh, but we just need to keep doing what we're doing. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a huge tax for Africa. And that's because we are coming in as um, the last frontier of esports globally. I think... Yes, and I think that's uh, what you're saying is is probably true in a lot of places. Is anyone that's looking for money, it's like, man, it's hard to find, uh, sort of thing. Which is an interesting take. Did you do you think that there is a lot of money from outside Africa coming into Africa as investment, or do you think that's even more scarce? Um, generally, money from outside Africa. So you have a lot of VCs um, investing. Um, then a few, you have a few VCs in Africa. So I would say more of the outside, um, investors are kind of, um, seeing that there's in Africa is the new, um, potential now. So a lot of people are jumping in. Um, fintech is really enjoying that, um, that period, this moment. So, um, so if you're speaking to a lot of VCs, um, you know, 
their portfolio has more fintechs than any other company, then I think um, health tech and educative tech is next in line. That's just my take. And no one should hold me. I have not, I have no proof to support that. Um, and I think, yeah, this yes. is not, this so, is not investment. Um, I, I, I think esports, it's esports and gaming is somewhere close to that next, in my opinion. When you talk about esports and you talk about gaming, a lot of times, <clears throat> well, I, I do too. A lot of times I use it interchangeably and it's not. Could you, could you describe maybe a little bit of the difference for the audience? What the difference is? What's the difference between okay, gaming? Okay, so um, esports is um, competitive gaming for and with a crowd. A, a lot of people use the word loosely. Like you said, you do. I also do. But what makes esports esports is that you do have the competitive side, one, and there's an audience. So the, what makes the NFL competitive is the competition between teams and the fans that watch it. The same thing applies to the NBA. Same thing is applying to the MLS. Same thing applies to um, 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 hockey. And in Europe also. So esports also. And that's why when we say esports, we're talking about um, the League of Legends, part of things where the whole arena is, um, is sold out. I know they just moved their semifinal games from Canada to Atlanta. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yes, they're doing. Oh, so they're you guys doing are excited. Phillips Arena, where the Atlanta Hawks are. So I'm really looking forward to 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 being there, getting my tickets, and um, another opportunity to kind of have a feel of League of Legends. They they are number one esports title in the world. So um, I think that's what um, makes esports esports. Every other thing you do is gaming at this point. If you are not doing the competitive side for an audience or with an audience and fans, then that is just gaming, basically. I think that's a really good distinction to make there because it can be the same title, but if you're playing with friends, it's not really esports. It's gaming. It's, yeah. it's, just it's playing gaming, games. But we use it loosely. So, Everyone uh, says, oh, I'm into so, yeah, esports. Yeah. But, um, no, it's, it's more of gaming than esports. One of the things I wanted to talk about here a little bit is um, – because you are in Atlanta, the home of the 1996 Olympics, yeah. Summer Olympics. I'm in LA. We, we had the Olympics here in 84, but also coming up in 2028, which there's, there's few things that get people in LA excited. This is one of them. I mean, it's just like, wow, this is, you know, yeah, Super Bowl can, can come and go. I think the World Cup, the next World Cup, the next World Cup here too, in LA. LAFC Stadium is one of those stadiums. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think it's headquartered out of Seattle. But but yes, they play it all over. I think I remember when I think the last time they were here, they played it at the stand. Maybe at the maybe maybe at the Rose Bowl. Uh, I know they were doing some things up at the Stanford Stadium, uh, Stanford. So, do you think that the Olympics should include esports in their um, official? I program? honestly don't think so. I think the esports doesn't need the Olympics. Um, the esports can be a standalone event on its own. I don't. I don't. I don't think it should be a part of esports because there's that back and forth. IOC saying they want to do virtual games, um, doing cycling. The Gen Zs and the Gen X and the the I, they are not going to watch cycling. I'm 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 sorry to say they are not going to watch cycling. They would want to watch the League of Legends. They would want to watch Valorant games like that. And I don't think the IOC is ready to adopt that into it. Um, so I think the esports needs to have its own global games as to 
who would govern that we're yet to find out or you know we're yet to adopt that but um i think a recommendation would probably maybe ioc carving out an esports federation of its own no interference and then allow them to go with the games that they want as opposed to saying you need to watch um what's it called e-cycling or e-judo these young kids are not going to watch that i'm sorry so that that's that is an idea that is dead on arrival no, it's interesting that you're the first person that we've had here that has said no, that you don't think that that's the the right thing to do. So, uh, but, but I think you give some good good points there. The thing that I hadn't thought of before that you brought up was the Olympics wants people to watch esports and then watch the the other Olympics, the the, the traditional Olympics, and people aren't transfer rate is not going to be all that all that great, so they're not going to get the the bang for it. Um, that they might now. Nigeria is competing right. in the Commonwealth Games, right? Coming August. up, I think in, in August. So is it? So you say the Olympics, maybe not, but is it good to have the Olymp uh, the esport? Okay, so e um, esports Commonwealth Games is not in the Commonwealth. There is the Commonwealth Esports Championship, which is a standalone that is tied. Yes, so a lot, a lot of people do, ah. don't know that it's ah. a standalone event that it's tied to the Commonwealth. So it is being put together by the Global Esports Federation in partnership with the British Esports Association. So yes, so th those are the bodies running the Commonwealth Esports Champion. So now as a member of the Global Esports Federation, if your country is a Commonwealth country, then you are eligible to be part of that event. Got yes. it. And it's just held at the same time as the... Correct. Traditional Commonwealth Games are, which I yeah I I lived in Fiji for a couple of years, which is of course British. Um, it, they're part of the Commonwealth. So we we kind of understood what the Commonwealth meant there, uh, which you know outside of you know in the U.S. people are like, what's the Commonwealth Games? It's like that doesn't make you know make any sense um, around here. So no, no, that's that's an interesting way to. Um, to put it there. Yes. Do you go back to Nigeria very much? When July, I was there in March. Yes, to, to work. To work, work on, on things? or We're working on um, Then I should be going back soon again before the end of the year. We have some other projects that we're working on. No, that's, that's great. That's great. Hey, you know, um, I don't want to take, for, uh, take your whole day here. I, I just really appreciate you coming on and talking a little bit because I think you have a really interesting uh, story to tell in that you're in Atlanta but you were working on the same things that, that when we talked to Sayo, that he's working on in, in, in Lagos sort of thing. But, but you were able to bring a different um, outlook to it. So, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on today. Where can people find you online? On Twitter. I'm available on Twitter. Uh, mostly Twitter. Instagram, I'm, I'm not much there. Um, Twitter and LinkedIn. So, my yes. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll put some links in there. What's the um what's the most popular streaming platform in Nigeria? No, YouTube. Is it Twitch? Oh no, it's or Facebook YouTube. Gaming. YouTube, YouTube Gaming. Is that in in most of Africa? In a lot of Africa, um, or most of Africa, and Nigeria in particular. Already that connection with YouTube content creators who are into music, comedy, already put things on YouTube. So it's easier. Most people already have that YouTube application on their phone 
or on their tablet or on their computer. Uh, so it's easier for people to just click on that and start to stream or click on that and start to watch. We haven't really keyed into Twitch or Trovo yet. A few gamers, a few content creators still use Twitch, but most people tend to go towards um, YouTube. Is Facebook gaming um, on the no. on the horizon at all? Um, I think I know just two gamers who use Facebook. Every other person I know uses um, YouTube. Now, it's always interesting to hear because yeah, right everything, here, everything, yeah. Well, everything's on Twitch. That's that's why. Um, and I think with you, with I'm YouTube, always, your videos uh, actually stay there. So if you click on your link, you'll see that. But with Twitch, I think it stays there for a short period of time, and it it goes away. I think so. If you don't catch um, the streaming live, or maybe minutes after, then it's gone. But with YouTube, once once. Good, good. So that, so my my Borderlands videos are are gonna go away. That's <laughs> yeah, that's good. So that's good. People want. want to be able to say, "Hey guys, um, kindly watch my stream. I streamed yesterday, and you post the YouTube link, and people can go back to it." But with Twitch, if it's not, if you don't get to it as early as possible after the stream, then it's gone. So, yeah, yeah. Say okay. Thanks for showing up to here today, Michael. I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time. I invite everyone to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media. That way you'll be notified as soon as the next episode is made available. We're going to be talking more about how esports organizations can create jobs anywhere in the world. There's some really good guests coming up, just like Michael, and you will not want to miss. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Michael. This is the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks.